Mm. Welcome to Happy Miracle Monday Night. Radiant 17, we thank you for this season, this season of Thanksgiving, just giving thanks. But our lives is not to wait for one day out of the year to give thanks. We live a life of Thanksgiving freely and completely, fully and completely, I should say. We live a life of Thanksgiving constantly, constantly before the Lord. It is it is that Thanksgiving. It's the way it's interesting when Jesus multiplied the food. He gave thanks first. He gave thanks for what they had. And then God, Yahweh, multiplied what they had and it fed not only 5,000 men, but it fed the women and children that were with them. There's something about thanksgiving that allows heaven to invade on your behalf into your situation and take what you have and do something with. It is when we major on the side of complaining and looking at what we don't have and what has not been done or what we lack. Nothing in heaven will invade on your behalf. Nothing will move on your behalf. Everything will be what you say it is. The Bible says, be careful what you say, for you shall have what you say. It reminds me of the children of Israel when they were in the the desert and they were complaining about the manna that they were getting every day that came every day. It didn't come based on them wishing it was there. It came based on every day God said it would show up. And they complained. I'm so tired of this manna. When are we going to get something else? Let's get some. Uh, we want some. We want some meat. And the Lord gave them quail. And the Bible says he gave them so much quail. The quail was coming out their nose. It was like they made them sick to their stomach. Why? Because they complained against God. They were not grateful for what he had done. When you're not content and you're not in that space of Thanksgiving, when your heart posture is not in the space of Thanksgiving and it's about this entitlement, that's what it really was with the children of Israel. They were entitled. They felt like, God, you need to take care of me. You need to do this. You need to do this when I say you need to give me what I want. Sometimes we treat God that way. It's not my thought, but we're starting here. We treat God that way. And that's how they treated God. Very entitled, like God owed them something. Like they were owed something by God and God was not worthy to be given thanks for anything that had he had done already. And in that story, I remember a friend of mine preached a message. He said, the gripers get the vipers. They complained too many times against the Lord and the vipers came in and was biting them and, and was killing them because why they rebelled and they were, and they, um, and they and they they spoke against God in such a way. You could say, "Well, I haven't spoke against God. I haven't said anything against the Lord, honey." When you complain, and you murmur, and you're not giving thanks, you're speaking against the Lord. Trust me, because you're basically saying God has not done anything. You're basically saying he's a liar. I remember I used to say that to the Lord. Lord, I didn't actually say these things. I didn't actually say that. And the Lord would say. Oh, yes, you did. You may not have said the actual word that came out of your mouth, but you spoke those things from your heart. Your heart posture is not in thanksgiving. Your heart posture is in entitlement. God owes me. God wants me to always be this way. I remember the Lord would tell me that. He said, you think that I don't want to bless you. And I would tell God, no, that's not true. I know you want to bless me. And the Lord said, no, you don't. You don't believe that in your heart. What you believe is that I want you to be in this situation. And I fought with God for a long time with that. But that was that, and that was my pride. That was me rebelling. That was me not wanting to accept the truth. That was me being so dumb that I'm I'm not that I'm that I'm not considering who I'm talking to. Have you ever been in that space where you've not considered who you're talking to? The one who knows everything about everything, the one that knows everything about who you are. David said, if if I made my bed in hell, you'll be there. You know everything about me. You know the very numbers of my hairs. You know how long I'm going to be on this earth and I'm going to sit in your face and tell you 
that you are wrong, that I, that I don't believe that. And it didn't grieve God. It didn't make him upset because he knew that was an area that was broken. He knew that was an area that needed to be healed. He knew that because of because it was brokenness, there was a pride there. And pride is the false shield of faith. Can I tell you that? Pride is the false shield of faith because a shield of faith allows you to withstand the fiery darks of the enemy when he shoots those things at you. But when you are not strengthened in your faith and you major on the side of being prideful about the things that you do well or prideful about the areas and pride also protects, it protects you, the, the areas that you don't want to surrender to God or that you don't want people to say. You always want the people to see the best of you or what looks good about you, but you don't want them to see that. And so pride is the false shield of faith. It, it, it shields you, but the sad part is it shields you away from God. It doesn't protect you from the accusation of the enemy. The enemy still accuses you. You still are subservient to, to people coming to accuse you or say things to you. It is a shield of faith that actually keeps you and sustains you when people speaks against you. But because you're broken and you're under the delusion that you have to protect yourself, you're under that orphan spirit that tells you that it's only you and only you, you can count on you. You're the only one that's going to help you. God will fail you. You can't trust God. You may not have said that, but you've said that in your heart through your actions. And the Lord wanted us to start with, give thanks unto the Lord, that we to give thanks for everything. Even the scripture that says in Peter, 1 Peter, it says, God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So how can we say we have nothing? Trust me, I've been there too. I've said the same thing. God, I don't have nothing. Well, if you have nothing, then how do you expect God to do anything? Because for one, you're in error because that's not true. You have everything. He says, I have given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. That means everything spiritual and natural God has given you. All they had was five loaves and two fish among almost 15,000 people. Was that enough? They could have said, basically, we have nothing. They came to Jesus basically saying, all we have is five loaves and two fish. So how I'm... How is that for so many people? That was their words. Basically, they were saying, this is nothing compared to this. But Jesus takes the five loaves and the, and the two fish and puts them in his hands. And he says, Lord, thank you for what we do have. Thank you for what you have provided for. And the Bible says after he blessed it, he thanked it, he gave it. And all of a sudden, because the Bible says thanksgiving, it says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Thanksgiving keeps you before the Lord. It keeps you in the gates of heaven, in the gates, in the courts of God. It allows you to be in that space where you're seated. But complaining and griping doesn't allow you to be in the face of God. It, pull, it separates you. When you choose to murmur and complain, it separates you. And then you make the statement, I feel so far away from God. Well, duh. If you murmur and complain, it's going to pull you away. Because murmuring, complaining against God is you being prideful and saying that God has done nothing. God has done nothing. That's what murmur and complaining is. Thanksgiving says, God, I thank you. Because even though right now I'm in need, I still thank you because you have done all those things yesterday and beyond. And that same God who is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore will be the same God that will see to me today. Matter of fact, you will daily loathe me with benefits. You will be good to me. Thanksgiving allows us to navigate through the seas of circumstances, and it keeps us before the Lord, and it keeps the heavens open so that what? Our help can come. The angels are ministering spirits for who? The heirs of salvation. The heirs of salvation of you. 
we can block our help when we murmur and complain. You murmur and complain, the, seat, the, the, uh, the, uh, the opening over you is brass. It closes. Because why? God resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. Those, those that are humble stay in thanksgiving. Those that are prideful will murmur and complain. Now you may say, well, I was mad with God and I murmured, but then I, I repented. David did it. David, did, you see in the Psalms, David would major on how bad it was, but David would always come back to who God is. He would always major on God's goodness and God being faithful. That's us as human. We can, man, God, it looks bleak. It looks dark. It looks ugly. But you know what? You were good yesterday and you were good in this situation that, that looked like this some years ago. You're going to be good today. Thanksgiving keeps you and keeps heaven in arm's reach. It allows heaven to have access to you and to what? Your circumstance that you are in. So you want to stay in Thanksgiving. You want to always give thanks because let me tell you, even if you woke up this morning and you woke up and things are not the way you would desire them are, but you have breath in your lungs. Is that not enough alone to give God thanks for? That you woke up and you're breathing There's son that didn't wake up this morning. And I know that that statement is such a cliche statement. It really is because people have said it over and over and people don't have, don't, they don't have the gravity of that. They just say, oh, well, you, everybody says that, that you should be grateful that you woke up this morning until what? You're struggling with breath. You're struggling breathing. I met a man, he said he had no problems. Then he got sick and he barely could breathe. You don't know how, the, how bad your, how precious your breath that God gives you until you get sick and you can't breathe. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then your breath, then you want to live. Then God, please give me breath. But when you had breath and it was freely flowing in you without anything prohibiting or impeding on your ability to breathe, you could not praise him or even just give him a thanks. Because why? Your mind and your heart were on all the material things that you didn't have or you were in lack of. Because the Bible says where... Your heart is, that's where your treasure is. That's what you value the most. That's where you put your eyes on. And if God doesn't meet those, then nothing else really matters. Then even the very breath in your lungs doesn't even matter. Even the fact you woke up and you were healthy, or even that you have a place or a bed to lay in, that doesn't mean anything because I don't have the money that I need, or I don't have this, or I don't have that, or I don't have all these. You start listing all these. You're majoring on the wrong things. God has given us everything. Thanksgiving allows that which hasn't, isn't there to come when we stay in Thanksgiving. The Bible says he resists the proud, but he will give grace to who? The humble. The humble will see the goodness of God. will see what their needs being met. will see God moving and breathing on your behalf. But I think one of the biggest things that we are seeing or that I feel people struggle with in church, and I said all to say as we get ready to lean into where I'm going to go. I'm going to read this to you. Where's my word? I'm going to read this to you. Go to 1 Corinthians. We'll go to John first. Holy Spirit says go to John. So I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to John first. Then 1 Corinthians. John chapter 1. Let's go there first. John chapter 1. And it reads, and it says here, and the word. This is Jesus. We'll start from, we'll start from verse 1. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same in the beginning with God. And all these things that were made, without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was a light to men. The light shining in darkness, the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came forth as a witness to bear witness of that light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he, but he sent to bear witness of the light. That, true, that was the true light, which the light will light every man that would come into the world. He was in the world, but the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Hmm. So he was in the world and he made and was and the world was made by him, but the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Which were, which were born not of, of, of flesh and blood or not of the will of man, but of God. So flesh and blood will get you nothing. Flesh and blood can't get you anything in the kingdom of God. That is principle number one. That is rule number one for all times. Flesh and blood cannot get you anything in the spirit, cannot get you anything, cannot access anything in God. So if your flesh is speaking to you and is lying to you or saying things, you got to tell the flesh to be quiet. Romans 8 tells you the flesh does not like God and, do, and, and does not want to do the will of God. So the flesh will speak against God or try to convince you otherwise. But the flesh gives you nothing of the kingdom of heaven. What God has designed for you and I comes strictly from him for he is a spirit. And they that worship him must be worship him in spirit and truth. Amen. Let's keep going. And it goes on and says in verse 14, my favorite, favorite scripture I love. It says here, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The law came by Moses, but Grace and truth came by Christ Jesus. But I love the first part. It says the word was made flesh. So what does that mean? That means that the word was just a, uh, something that was spoken. It was a seed in the spirit. It was a sound that expressed what God intended to be said. When you speak, you Release a sound that comes to your voice box and your voice box gives your ability through air that comes from your lungs, gives what you're thinking language. It allows it to have sound so that you and I can hear what you're saying. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so it is just a spoken word. It is a spoken word. And so Jesus, the word himself, who is God, was prophesied that he would be here, that he would come through a virgin, that he would be born in the town of Bethlehem, that the government would be upon his shoulders, that he would carry the seven spirits of God and so on and so forth. He would die for his people. He would suffer for them. He would he was uh, um, he would um, he's here by his stripes. You are healed. All these things were spoken over the years, over not just many, not many years, but thousands of years about this one that would eventually come. This word that was just a word that was in the word in the mouth of the prophets. The first prophecy came from God himself, Yahweh himself. He speaks that the seed of the woman would bruise the seed of the serpent's head and the serpent would what? Bruise his heel. So there's the first word of the Lord, but then prophets after that begin to proclaim that this one was coming. There was one coming to fix mankind. All those were what? Words that were spoken, that were declared, that were proclaimed thousands of years before he would ever come into the timeline and do what he did that you and I would be here today. 
And so all those things were words. But then all of a sudden, at the right time, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Until the word actually is expressive or we get to experience the word, all it is is just head knowledge. All it is is just information. So people just had information about something that was going to happen at an appointed time, but they had nothing else but that to hold on to. And sometimes that's what it is to walk by faith when you just have what God has spoken, the word that you heard that came into your ears. All you have is that word. And yet there is nothing that goes along with it. There's no manifestation. There's no experiential move of the spirit. It's just you felt the presence of God and then he spoke. And after the presence of God has subsided or not manifesting because God is still present always, but all you have is this word and you're left with this word and you sometimes have to, you struggle with this word. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. This is the part where you have to live by faith, where you got to continue to believe in something that was spoken to you without any manifestation, because the manifestation is for an appointed time. The Bible says in, I, in, uh, in, in Psalms 105, it said what? It said the word of the Lord tried Joseph until the time. So there is a beginning time in which something is spoken, and then there is an ending time. And so what God did for Joseph as a young man, he gave him dreams. Of course, he was not ready to move and breathe in what God was revealing to him. Even Joseph did not understand the manifest wisdom of what God was actually calling him into because he was young and very prideful. He was very spoiled. He was the favorite of Jacob because he was the favorite of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. And his brothers didn't like him. They didn't like him at all because he walked around like he was special. He walked around while he was entitled. He walked around like he was all that in a bag of chips. But the word which he had heard, the dream, and, and word doesn't just come in spoken word. A word is also pictorial. It's also a vision. It's also a dream that you can hear. It's also a trance you can go through. God can speak to you in many ways to give you a word about what is to come but he was not ready for that. And so the Bible says that word, which is fire, that tries you, purifies you, refines you, burns away the things that need to be burned away. But it is also a hammer to break down these false walls, these false things, these things that you hold yourself high on that really is not built on or founded on Christ. So he breaks it all down to build you up so that you are retrofitted and solidified on the rock. And so the word tried Joseph until the time it took him through the process. It prepared him. He didn't, he, all he knew was that he was going to be this leader. He was going to be the head. Here's the interesting thing about God is God can declare the ending from the beginning because he is, he, he was, he is, and he is to come. He is alpha and omega. So he knows how it should look, how it's supposed to turn out. And he is so gracious to show you and me what it's supposed to look like so that we would have a view of where God has taken us. And if it doesn't look like this, then God's not done yet. And in that space of trusting God, we know that he is good and he's not going to stop until it's good. And he's going to bring you into his goodness. What he doesn't tell you about is what is in between what he told you and the manifestation of it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that is a part that you and I sometimes have trouble with because we want we we treat God like it's magic. We want God to just magically wave his hands and everything change. Walking with God is not magic. And I'll guarantee you, it is in those circumstances that you learn about who God is through your circumstances, through the things that challenge you. You get to learn who he is. Is he a deliverer? Do you know him as deliverer? 
Do you know him as a provider? Do you know him as a healer? Do you know, how would you experience those things if he just waved his hands and he did that? You wouldn't know anything. All you would know is that, oh, he waved it all away and it's good and I'm good. You have no conviction because it did not cost you anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so the word tried him, molded, shaped until what? One day, suddenly, suddenly, he, the gift that he had, the gift that he walked in was needed. And it's interesting that in his story, he is, he, he interprets the dream of the two people that were in the cell. One ended up dying, the other one was restored back to his place. Remember me, hook me up. But if it, is it, if, if it isn't your time yet to step into what God has for you, you can't go anywhere. You got to continue to be where you are because why? There's a starting time and there's an ending time. But I guarantee you when it's done, it's done. And if you remain faithful, the faithful will abound in blessing. The faithful will get through the fire and the water and step into that wealthy place that God has for them if they continue to hold on to him. And so Joseph waits and waits, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, matter of fact, to be even clear, Egypt was the superpower. Egypt was the equivalent of the United States in its day. It was the superpower of that time. No one was like Egypt. And here comes the king who had a troubling vision about their future. He didn't know it was their future. He didn't know it was something that was coming. And none of the magicians, none of the people had the answer. Can I tell you, Christ Jesus always has the answer for everything that's happening in the earth. And guess what? That means the children of God have the answer. You are the answer to a problem, to a situation, or to situations that God has sent you to the earth for. But you got to live life like him. You got to see it from a panoramic view. You cannot live, you cannot view the things that God is viewing in the situation, trying to see it panoramically because your, your visibility is limited. So you got to depend on him and lean on him and allow him to show you what he knows, to reveal to you what he knows. Your flesh and your blood will reveal nothing but what's in front of you. And what's in front of you, if it's not to your liking, your flesh will cause you to complain and murmur against God. But if you're going to get into the spirit, the spirit of God, if, if you get into the spirit, you'll connect with the spirit of God. And God says, even though my ways are above your ways and my thoughts are not like your thoughts, if you yield and you want to know my ways or you want to know why I do what I do, I will make my ways known unto you. But I only share that scripture to show you that there is a perspective, there are realities, there are paradigms that you are yet to know that I function in. And so you have not the eyesight or the insight that I have except I reveal it to you. That I give you revelation that you're able, and that revelation has faith in it. It allows you to continue to walk with him but you have to stay in thanksgiving because thanksgiving keeps you in the gates. It keeps you before the Lord. It keeps heaven accessible to you and able to come in and send help and keep you navigating through the seas of circumstances or whatever it is that God has you going to get you to where you're going if you stay in thanksgiving. And there always will be grace for you because those who are in thanksgiving are the humble. And God gives grace to the humble. And so this word that he had heard, one day all of a sudden Pharaoh has this, this problem, this vision that troubled him, that dream that troubled him. And none of the magicians, none of them could answer the question because why? That dream, that vision, that dream that he had did not come from flesh, nor did it come from the demonic realm. It came from God himself. 
And it was a setup because the only man in the kingdom that could help Pharaoh was in the prison that he had, that Potiphar, his servant, one of his guards, had him in prison because of a situation that was not true. It's interesting that Joseph ended up in a situation like that and the Bible says he got favor there. Was that a holding thing for him? Did it, was God allowing that to hold him there? Because some of us, and I'll tell you for me, being vulnerable in my, in my time in the wilderness with the Lord, I didn't have the means to do what I do today. Because one of the things that I would do, if it got too rough, I'm out. I'm, I'm out, I'll disappear, I'll leave. <laughs> I will, <laughs> I will absquatulate. I will make like a tree and leave. I'll make like a banana and split. I will run because I can't fly. I'm getting away from this. And the Lord said, mm-mm. So he stripped me down and kept me in a place where I did not have the means to do that. Because if I, if I, if I had that means, I would abort. I would abort. And I wouldn't be who I am today. I w God wouldn't have done what he has done in me and you guys get to see it today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes God will keep you in a space beyond your own control because there's something he's doing that you can't see. And if you be patient, he'll keep you in that space. He'll keep you, he'll supply, he'll look out for you. But you won't see it until you get to the end of it and you'll see why. Joseph didn't understand why he was in prison. He didn't understand why God, the God that he served, allowed him to be accused. Because I'm quite sure Joseph asked, God, why did you, why didn't you stand up for me? Why did you? But he was in that space. But what if Joseph was given an opportunity to leave, to get away? Because he missed home. I'm just, we're just talking. I don't know if we're not saying that's what scripture says. But for whatever reason, God held him in prison and kept him there. And he kept him there when the answer that was needed would reside in a son of God, a son of the Lord, as opposed to those in the, in the world. Nothing. And, and it's interesting that Jesus would say, he tells Peter, when Peter rebuked him, he said, flesh, he says, Peter, let me tell you, he says, and he didn't speak to Peter, he spoke to the devil, he said, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are only mindful of the things of men, not the things of God. So not only did these uh, these priests and all these magicians and soothsayers and astrologers who were moving in the dark arts, moving in the in the things of the, of the of the of the kingdom of darkness none of them had an answer for the things of god but joseph did and then joseph god calls him up you know the story joseph interprets pharaoh's dream and lets him know it isn't me but it's god who knows what pharaoh what the dream is and god and then pharaoh tell and joseph tells him all of a sudden after 17 years of walking through what he walked through, or maybe I think it was 13 years, because I think he was 17, whatever, he was 13 years, he walked through all this stuff, that now he is experiencing the word. He doesn't just have knowledge of him becoming something. He doesn't have knowledge of something that's going to happen in the future, or something is going to be, or, or his life is going to look like this. Now, that which is spoken that was just head knowledge is now become something he experiences he's experiencing the word come to life hence the scripture that says here that what the word was made flesh means it came to life means it came to into our realm and what dwelt among us it was no longer a description of this man or this or this anointed one that would come and heal and deliver and die for us, but that he now was not something that people spoke about or talked about or hoped for. He became a reality. And people now for the first time could hug God, could kiss the Lord. They could shake his hand. 
They can embrace the one who have been spoken about for thousands of years because now they're experiencing. But the sad part is this. Let's turn to John. Let's go to John. John chapter 6. I'm going to read something to you. Tell your friend and your neighbor I'm going somewhere. Just be patient. We're going to get there. And John chapter 6, verse 32, and it says this, And then Jesus says unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and give life unto the world. Hmm. Let's keep going. Verse 34, and it says, Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And then Jesus tells him what? Jesus tells him, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that ye, ye also have seen and believe not. All that the Father has given me shall come to me. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast him out. For I come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. This is the Father's will, which he has sent me, that all which he has given me, I should, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that has sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, here's the interesting thing. All the prophecy, all the words that have been spoken about Jesus, these guys knew. Jesus wasn't talking to people that did not understand prophecy or did not understand prophetic words or did not understand decrees or did not understand the law and the prophets and all the writings. They had all of that. He's speaking to people that are well-versed in scripture. They're well-versed. They've been taught since they could first speak. They taught the Torah and the Tanakh and, and the prophets and all those writings. They went to Hebrew school. So he's speaking to people that are very educated in the word. But, but there's a big but. Verse 31, and it says here, And Jesus and the Jews that murmured at him, saying, saying that he says he's the bread of heaven that comes down. They murmured against him. I am the bread that came down from heaven, Jesus says. And they said, is this not Joseph's son, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he says he came down from heaven? And then Jesus said, therefore unto them, murmur not in yourselves. No man comes to me except the father draws him. We just told you what a word is and how it comes into play. These people here have been full and been indoctrinated, have been taught, and been in expectation of who? Of the one. Now, the one has taken on flesh and dwelt among them. He's right in their face. He's right in their face. They can match up what they know about him and see it being fulfilled in their life right here. Like, here he is. But these ones, he who he was speaking to, didn't get the memo. They were not receiving it. They were not hearing what he was saying. They were not believing. You are not the one we're looking for. What happened? Why didn't what they know cause them to believe and receive and embrace the one who was the spoken word come to life? who was the manifestation of what they've been fed and taught over years is because Jesus said this to the woman at the well. He said, God is a spirit and them that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It didn't say you must worship him, that God is a spirit, but you can worship him with flesh and blood. It said you must worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth is the word. Truth is the word. The word is what gives the spirit a landing. 
or better yet, the spirit breathes on the word and causes it to come to life. That's where you get revelation from. That's where you get revelation from. When the breath of God breathes on a word, that word comes to life and you receive revelation. You get revelation about what is spoken. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You get revelation about what is spoken because you cannot presume to understand or think you understand what is written in scripture. You need the spirit of God to enlighten you. You need the spirit of God to breathe on those words to help you understand the heart of God. Because we just told you his ways are not your like your ways. His thoughts are above your thoughts. So what you read in scripture, you can interpret yourself and think the scripture means a certain thing based on what you understand, but you have not asked, you not asked the one who wrote it. The Bible says in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will direct your path. If you acknowledge him, God will direct your path, meaning he will lead you. He will allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. The Holy Spirit is there not only to teach you all things, it's there to reveal all things. And so these guys here in John chapter six were Pharisees. And they were so and they were so full of themselves because they had got to the place where they were justifying themselves by the law by the word, by, by what they knew. And they felt themselves to be special because they knew the word, they were educated, but they had no revelation on the one. And so here is the one standing in front of them, the one that they learned about and they missed it. They missed it. That's what we call legalism. Legalism, and some of you are familiar with legalism, is a place where they are about the letter and they don't let the spirit move. They just interpret what is read in scripture based on their interpretation. And that's just what the Pharisees did. And what they did is they preconceived in their thought what it was going to look like or how God was going to move and breathe or what God was going to do or what the Messiah should look like based on what they knew. They likened him like Moses because Moses delivered us out of the play, out of Egypt and, 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 and turned Egypt side down. So we know that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. He's coming and he's going to do the same thing that Moses did and even better. But what they failed to understand is that Isaiah 53 doesn't describe him as one that's going to do it that way. It describes him as a suffering uh, king, a suffering Messiah that's coming to die for his people. And that he would come again as a warrior king after he has saved us, after he has undid what was done in the beginning. And so they majored on the wrong things. They thought they knew and they did not know. And the Bible says they even closed their eyes to what was being manifested, what was being experienced by the whole world in that moment. They closed their eyes and said, no, we don't accept that. We do not embrace that. So what? When they didn't embrace, they didn't receive sonship. All they, all they received is what they had, what they thought they knew. So what, I, what, am, where, what am I saying tonight? Where am I at with this? Jesus stands knocking at the door of your heart. And he asked to come in. Revelations 3 and 20. Famous scripture that we all know. It says, behold, 3 and 20, it says here, behold, I stand knocking at the door. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him. I will feast with him. We will sit and feast on the bread of life. We will sit and feast on me. They will learn of me. I will reveal who I am and I'm going to reveal who they are if they open the door of their heart and let me in. So it says that what they knew got here, but never got down here. And so it is easy to read something, to receive a word, to get a word, and you receive it up here, but it is possible that what you receive, you have not believed yet, that it hasn't come down here and it has become something that you are believing for. 
Because why? You received it, but it didn't happen when you wanted it. It didn't happen in the time frame which you which you thought it was supposed to happen in. You thought God spoke it, it's supposed to happen then. God doesn't always move that way. There are times when God speaks something and something happens. Those times are the times to build your faith so that when you have to walk something out a little bit longer, you will see that what he says does happen and that should be equate to him faith for God, that God is true to his word, that this is taking a little bit longer, but even though it is, God is still going to be true to his word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's still going to be faithful to his word. That word is still going to come to life. It's going to manifest. It's not about me always getting what I want when I want. God knows how to get you what you need at the right time. Again, the just shall live by faith. And the faithful will abound in blessing if you remain faithful and true and thanksgiving to the Lord. And he says that, so if you let me in, I will feast with you. What are we going to feast on? The words you received already. He will begin to unfold and allow that word, that bread of life, to begin to feed you and, and sustain you and cause you to be able to maintain, to be steadfast, unmovable, as you are navigating through the seas of circumstances to get you to where you need to be. But if you do not open the door and let him come in and feast with you, all you have is, is, is bread, but you don't know how to eat it. You don't know how to partake in it. You don't know how to feast on it. It's just head knowledge to you. And Jesus said, this is spiritual food that will sustain you long after you have eaten natural food and it has gone through your body and exited out. The food I give you is eternal and has this ability to sustain you because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, my word will determine where you go, what you do, how long you live or what it's going to be. If you stay in faith, if you stay in thanksgiving, because the just shall live by faith. And you may say, all I have is little faith. Well, that's enough. If that faith, and here, it's not just believing in God, but it's the little faith that causes you to obey God. Not rebel against God, but obey God. Not delay in your obedience, but obey God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the challenges that we're having is that we're not seeing the manifestation yet. Paul said this. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. He told them, he said, because he was speaking to the Greeks. The Greeks were known for their worldly knowledge. They were known for Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, all these great minds that spoke wise words, but they spoke the words of men. They spoke the wisdom of men. And the Bible, according to James, the wisdom of men was the level of, it was, it was earthbound, and demonic. It only appealed to the physical body, only appealed to the sense on the sensual part of man, the the flesh. It only appealed to the flesh. It was not spiritual whatsoever. And that true wisdom comes from above, from heaven, from the throne of God, and it's first peace and it's righteous and it's pure. And it has this ability to give life. And so Paul tells him, he says in verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says this. He says, here he says, brethren. When I came to you, I came not in excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Christ crucified. I was with you and in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. In my speech and in my preaching was not the enticing words of men's wisdom, but it was the demonstration of the spirit and of the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men or wise words that a man or a woman could speak to you, but it would be in the power of God's ability. It would be in God. So does God wait to the very end to manifest that word or do things? No, God does things along the way to keep you standing in faith, to keep you believing until the manifestation of that word becomes 
life becomes in your life, in your life, uh, the way God intended. So God doesn't just give you something to leave you hanging and then you have to hold on. No, there are things along the way that affirm that word. When in the story of Abraham, God tells him he's going to have a kid. And there are many times that the Lord kept coming to Abraham to let him know he was going to have a kid, that that kid was going to come through him. There were many times God kept visiting Abraham to let him know that that kid was going to come up until months before that kid came. Then he told him, by this time, by the time in which you have, have kids, you will have a kid. And it came to pass. But the Lord did things. As Abraham stayed in faith, as he stayed before the Lord, did he make mistakes? Yes, he did. He made mistakes, but he continued to stay in faith and continue to follow and believe God. And God was faithful to him and sustained him and kept him. That's what it is to let Jesus in. If we let him in, if he's knocking on the door of your heart and you've received the word, Jesus wants to come in and give you more insight. He wants to take the word you receive and allow it to become bread for your soul, to allow it to become bread for your spirit so that you can walk this walk that you need to walk before the Lord to get where you need to go. Because to order for you to sustain, it's going to take the it's going to take the eternal food to sustain you. The natural food won't sustain you for what you're going to walk through. It'll be here today and gone tomorrow. Matter of fact, the natural food will lead you away. But God's food, the true bread from heaven, has this uh, has this um, has this uh, intentionality from God to prepare you to feed you, to fill you with faith, to continue to give you hope so that you end up where God intended for you to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is not man that he should lie. Whatever he said he was going to do for you, he is going to do. He's going to make good on that word. All he asks is that you would give him your yes and he would do the rest. Because that's all you all he's asking. You give him yes, and that yes is not yes one time, that's yes daily. Yes, Lord, I believe you. Yes, I'm going to stand on your promises. Yes, you are true, and you're going to make good on what you say. Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul, yes, Lord. Completely yes. My soul says yes. And I guarantee you will see that which God has spoken to come to life in your life because the word is meant to become flesh and dwell among us. And we are meant to behold the glory, the goodness of God full of grace and truth. But Thanksgiving and your faith in God will get you through to where you need to get to. So my prayer for you is that the word and the spirit of God would be on a collision course, that you would experience the word and the spirit as you read the word. Because when you just read the word without the spirit, the Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. Until the spirit breathes on that, you won't have the hope that you need. You won't have the faith that you need. You won't have the revelation you need to help you get where you got to go. So you need both of them, spirit and in truth, to be able to get you where you need to go to be able to feast on the eternal bread. You need the one who is knocking at your door, the bread of life himself, who fed the people of God like he told them. He said, Moses didn't feed them, I fed them. They were eating on me. They were eating on me and did not know they were eating on me. I was the bread that came down from heaven that sustained them. Because when you think about wafer bread coming down, how does wafer bread really sustain in our minds, a, a body walking through the desert. 
You would think they need meat. They would need all this. But what he was giving them had the ability as they made it and got enough to make it into what they ate. It had, a, had the ability to sustain them both spiritually and naturally, which is a picture of Christ Jesus. He is the bread of life that came down and fed them. And so what God will give you has the ability to sustain you both spiritually and naturally. If you believe, if you stay in Thanksgiving, but we got to major on the Thanksgiving. We got to stay in Thanksgiving. Even if you got to fight and be in tears and say, God, I thank you. I choose to thank you. Even though it's not in my hands, I choose to thank you because I know you have given it to me. You've already given it to me. So I'm thanking you and I'm going to stay in Thanksgiving because I refuse to be separated from you. Thanksgiving keeps you before God. Murmuring and complaining separates you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And a lot of people miss God, just like the Pharisees does, because they have an expectation that's not founded in scripture. They have an expectation that God has not given them. They have their own preconceived thought about what God is going to do or how God's going to do it instead of following the spirit. And no one wants to follow the spirit because why? The spirit of God takes too long. That's what your flesh tells you. It takes too long. I need you to move now, God. I need you to do, I need you to move when I say move. And God, I'll tell you, don't move when you want him to move. He moves when it is his sovereign will to move on a situation. But he will be faithful and true from start to finish to you because he is committed to you. But don't think that you can manipulate or move God to do things because that's what people are trying to do. I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast 20 days to move heaven. Honey, you can fast for 20 days and God is God is not ready to move. It is not moving. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Walking in the spirit, moving with the spirit of God is not trying to strive and do something to see something happen. Then what you're trying to do is make it happen yourself and not waiting on the one who has the ability to shift and change and cause that which he spoke to come to life and take on shape and form in your life. Bible says the faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the substance. It is the thing that you believe in God for, but it's also the evidence of things not seen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It has, It is the substance that you're hoping for, but it's also the evidence. It will become evident. It will become apparent. It will become in the three in the three dimensional that what God said is now taking on shape and form. And we cannot, we don't want to strive and try to make it heaven. Like somebody pointed out, like Abraham, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, Sarah, Abraham believed. Sarah didn't believe. So Sarah says, well, Abraham, we going to help God. He says, okay, all right, we'll go along with it. What would you want me to do? Take my handmaid and, and make her your wife. Okay, I'll do that. Now Abraham could have said, no, no, we're not doing that because God said it's going to come through you. But here's the thing. It's okay. Abraham, he missed it. He went along with, with his wife because he's, you know, trying to keep his wife happy or whatever reason. They give birth to a kid. And the Lord tells him, I'll bless him, but he's not the kid I'm talking about. It's coming through the one that's having trouble believing me. It's coming through her. Because this is what I've planned. This is what I have solved. It's solved my sovereign will. And it did. It came through her. She got to see her son, got to see him grow up to be a grown man before she left here. But that which God proclaimed came through her. And we don't want to help. We don't. God doesn't need help. All he's asking, give me his, give me your yes and stay in Thanksgiving and God will do the rest. He will show you who he is, but he'll also in the midst of you walking this out, he will show you who you are. You will learn a lot about who you are. You will learn about what you thought you couldn't get through because we quickly quote a scripture that says what? What is that famous scripture? God won't give us more than we can bear. 
I've heard that so many, I've heard that so many times when we were young, you know, God won't give you more than you can bear. Can I tell you, friends, you don't know what you can bear until you start walking things out. And then God shows you, you are more than what you thought you were. And when you get on the other side, you say, man, I never thought I could get through this. And God says, I knew you could. That's why I brought it your way. He, go, he goes a little step further in Psalms 139. He says, your very days are fashioned according to you. What does that mean? That everything in your day, everything in your life is made conditioned to you. This is David getting revelation. Like David got crazy revelation about the things because he was a friend. He fellowshiped with the Lord. When you fellowship with him, you're going to know things. God's going to reveal why he does what he does. That's why the hints the scripture in um, Exodus 33 says, Moses wanted to know God. He wanted to see his face. He wanted to know him more. But in Psalms 105, David, Psalms 103, David gets the revelation. Moses knew God's ways. Where did he get that from? He wasn't around. God revealed that. God spoke that to David. That Moses, my friend, knew my ways. And David, you're my friend. You're a man after my own heart. You're going to know my ways. Can I tell you, each one of you on here, Fernando, Viviana, Chelsea, Christina, uh, Carlos, uh, Crystal, Cindy, Edwin, and Dee, you all are not just, you no longer servants, but you are friends. You are sons. You are the bride. And it's for you to know intimate with the Lord is for you to fellowship so that you can steward well what God is giving you and live the life that God had intended for you and allow you to step into what God has for you. You would contend, you would guard your heart if you fully understand what had been given to you. But that has that's going to be find out or found out when you fellowship with the Lord. When you open the door of your heart and say, come on in, Jesus. Come on in, come on in the door of my heart. I don't want to receive the liar. I don't want to continue to receive these lies. I don't want to continue to believe something that's not true. I don't want to continue to hold on to something that's not true because it's not bringing forth any light, lies, life. It's bringing forth hurt, uh, depression. It's bringing forth frustration and it's causing me to be angry. When you embrace a lie, the lie only brings sort of pain, hurt, frustration, depression, disappointment. If that's what a lie does. But when you embrace the truth and fully embrace it, not only you become a son of God, truth will lead you to life, the life that God intended for you to have. But you got to allow Jesus to come in and fellowship with you and take the bread the word that you receive. So what am I saying? When you receive a word of the Lord, whether it's a prophetic word, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, or the word of scripture jumps out at you, it is the beginning of, is an invitation for you to let him into that area of your heart and say, Jesus, let's feast on this together. Let's eat on this together. Let's feast on what you're talking about. I want you to feed me because if you allow him to, you, the righteous will not be moved. You will be sustained. You will be fueled with faith and hope and you will make it through and you will have the peace you need to walk through because everything he is, is in a word. And the word that you receive is fully God. And if you allow it, it will unfold and unravel and be what you need to be to get you where you need to go. Amen. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the word doesn't just get planted in their hearts and grow roots, but that they would feast with you, that they would invite you into their hearts and they would feast on the bread of life, that they would allow the one who is the true bread that came from heaven, that fed the first church in the wilderness, and that is the same one that's feeding us today, that we would allow him to feed us to cause faith and hope and peace and strength and steadfastness to be manifested as we walk this out, as we embrace him, let us receive sonship. As we embrace him, let, let the word which we've heard cause to purge all the things that would get in the way of us embracing him. Let the word smash and break away any hardened areas that are hardened against you, Lord. 
that we would have a soft heart that you have promised us, not a heart of stone, and that heart that's soft will be full of you. And we would fully embrace you and become what you had desired us to be. We would end up where you desire us to be. We, we would do the things that you have proclaimed. Give us the ability to say yes to you daily. Give, help us with grace to, to stay in thanksgiving. Help us to be grateful. Any areas of pride, Lord God, we surrender it. Lord, to you with, that we repent of it, that we choose to, be, to remain low, that you would exalt us. That we, don't, that we don't know anything except you reveal it. We repent for allowing our hearts to be lifted up against you. We know that you are true and you're going to be true. You are good and you've always been good. We thank you and we, and we praise you and we magnify your name. And Father, we lift you up and we just say thank you. And we say thank you for the suddenlies that are happening. Thank you for the words that are becoming flesh and dwelling among us. We, that we get to behold the glory full of grace and truth. We thank you for the, the challenges and the things that we are challenged with today, but they're in no comparisons to the glory of God that's going to be revealed in us and through us and around us because of what you have spoken, what you had in mind when you thought to bring us here. We thank you today, Lord, and we magnify your wonderful name and we just, we love you today, Lord. We embrace you today. We let everything go that we would fully embrace you. That as we embrace you, everything that you are, we become. We are. Because it's the Father's heart to conform us to the image of the Son. And the Son is the ultimate one of all those who ever was and ever will be. He is the one that we are likened to. He is the one we are fashioned after. Lord, we thank you tonight. We thank you for this time to feast on your word and to eat of you and to learn of you. And we love you today and we honor you in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.